What's going on, Dolphins fans? Kyle Krabs, your host here on Locked On Dolphins. Today is Friday, July 8th, 2022. And today, with the benefit of three years of hindsight, we're going to revisit the 2019 NFL draft to review how the Dolphin selections did and also revisit, of course, any different decisions that could have been made with that benefit of hindsight. You are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, Dolphins fans? Kyle Krabs, your host here on Locked On Dolphins, lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, director of scouting at thedraftnetwork.com, your host here on Locked on Dolphins today, Friday, July 8th, 2022. I want to thank you guys for making Locked on Dolphins your first Miami Dolphins listen of the day. Today is a show that I know a couple of you guys have been asking about for, for quite a while and in revisiting some of this regime's decisions and kind of the theoretical what would I do. And we're going to get into that today on the show. We're going to get into the 2019 NFL draft. Look at the Dolphins draft class. Look at the players that they picked. Think about the position that the team was in at the time and also utilize some of my personal uh, scouting reports from that 2019 NFL draft. Uh, and if you're not on YouTube, I will actually be at least holding them up and, and we're going to read some snippets on the, the players who were picked and so on and so forth. But uh, this 2019 class is the place where I thought this made sense to start uh, because this was this chapter of Dolphins football. Uh, this was the birth because they made the regime change, not only with head coach and, and hiring Brian Flores, but Mike Tannenbaum out and installing Chris Greer as the general manager and unquestioned uh, guy at the top of the totem pole for football operations. Uh, that was kind of your, your launch point, your cattle uh, for the Dolphins team that we have today. So if you're not familiar, if you don't remember this 2019 NFL draft, the Miami Dolphins... In this draft, they had the 13th overall pick and drafted Christian Wilkins. Uh, they ended up trading their second round pick. They traded back from 48 to 62 with New Orleans and then traded 62 uh, along with some additional draft capital to the Arizona Cardinals for quarterback Josh Rosen. At 78, the Dolphins drafted Michael Dieter, still with the team. Uh, their next selection came in the fifth round at 151, where they drafted linebacker Andrew Van Ginkle. Uh, they drafted again in the sixth round, offensive tackle Isaiah Prince from Ohio State. Uh, and then two picks in the seventh round, fullback Chandler Cox and running back Miles Gaskin. Here's the tough part about hindsight. What would I do? Right? So if you're comparing it to my own unique evaluations of the players and personal sets of rankings that I have in, in any given draft. I am not looking at the players through the specific lens that any team is. I've got to grade players for 32 systems. The NFL grades players for one system. And there's also the life cycle component. And, and this is, I appreciate what the Dolphins did here. They're picking 13th. And, and I'll get into what players I would have picked at 48 and at 62 based on how the board fell. Um, 
But what I would say is I generally agreed that the Dolphins were not in a position. I thought it was smart that they built infrastructure first and didn't just take a quarterback with a high investment in year one. Now, I loved the move for Josh Rosen because of the discounted price that it came at at the time. It's good process. Former top 15 overall pick a quarterback after one year playing in a bad situation. If you can get that player for effectively a third round pick, you know, that it's a roll of the dice that was worth taking in year one. It didn't work out. And that's the hard part about hindsight is, you know, in hindsight, watch what Josh Rosen has become. And you'd say, well, why would anybody ever do that? Well, at the time, oh, player was drafted in the the Cardinals traded up to draft him in 11 and, and made an effort to get in front of Miami. So we'll start with Christian Wilkins. Christian Wilkins, the 13th overall pick. This was one of those picks that I would classify as I really liked the player and I get why he was the selection, but there was a player on the board that I was absolutely over the moon for. I'll start with Christian Wilkins. Uh, Christian Wilkins was rated as my personal 23rd ranked player in the draft that year. The Dolphins got him at 13. Uh, my player synopsis for Christian Wilkins. Christian Wilkins projects favorably to an even front as a three-tech defensive tackle. His versatility would allow him to play at a high level in odd fronts as well, provided he's tasked with B-gap assignments and allowed to penetrate the pocket. Wilkins has a great nose for the football and is technically advanced. He should be capable of making a positive impact for a defense for every defense very early in his NFL career starter with a pro bowl ceiling. My comp for him, you'll enjoy this Dolphins fans was Randy Starks, uh, former Miami Dolphins defensive lineman, Christian Wilkins, 23 overall. Uh, so from the perspective of you and unique culture guys, yeah, Wilkins, great pick. And, and what he became this past year, you saw the flashes in the first two years of him capable of being that. And he fully lived up to his potential last year. So I'm very excited for what that's going to mean for year four for Christian. But there was a player um, who I was irrationally high on. And this player went two picks after, three picks after Christian Wilkins did. Uh, this was my number two ranked player in the draft. And, and for me in my shoes, if I'm a GM and, understanding that I'm not evaluating the players for what system that Brian Flores and the Dolphins were going to run. I understand that's different. But you'd have a hard time talking me off of Brian Burns, the pass rusher, uh, who went to the Carolina Panthers. Obviously a little undersized. That was never really going to play well in a Patriots-themed defense. Uh, so I understand why he was not the pick. But, but my comp here, uh, Randy Gregory, and obviously, Randy Gregory for off the field and injury stuff has not lived up to his potential. But just the tools and the style of play and the build that he has uh, was a player that I I would have been explosively happy if he was the choice. And Burns, um, to this point in his career, Wikipedia can correct me if I'm wrong. Shout out Wikipedia for having their their I thought think their draft summaries are really helpful way to to pull this up. 25 and a half sacks through three seasons in the NFL. Um, nine in each of the last two seasons, and he had seven and a half as a rookie while playing as a designated pass rusher. So 
Uh, my thoughts on Burns, and this would have been the only player, only other player uh, that that I would have pounded the table for at this point in the draft over if you told me the selection was going to be Christian Wilkins. Burns is a special prospect with dynamic range, explosive qualities, terrific length, polished as a pass rusher. Burns brings one of the finest pass rushing skill sets to the table in recent years, and his explosiveness has, and developed hand usage to provide him with an impact pass rush from day one, Burns will be well-served to fill out his frame to be more well-rounded as a player, but he's got game-changing qualities. Okay. So that's the first round. That's, um, I appreciated the Dolphins not forcing a pick in a quarterback class that was Kyler Murray, who went one overall, who was out of your strike zone. Daniel Jones, who went six overall, who probably was out of your strike zone. You probably could have traded up for him if you wanted to, but not going that way. I appreciate. Uh, and then uh, Dwayne Haskins was the next quarterback picked at 15 overall. And that was it for quarterbacks in the first round. Your next one, Drew Locke at 42. Miami not forcing a quarterback selection in year one. Good process. Uh, Christian Wilkins, glue guy. Good process. Really liked the player, but Burns would have been the player would have pounded the table for over him, even though not necessarily the best Scheme fit for the Brian Flores style system. I just thought he was a transcendent scheme diverse player. Level with me real quick. We've all been in a situation at some point in our lives where we're a little tight on cash. Maybe you can only afford a few gallons of gas in your tank or you got to save for a date coming up and are wondering how you're going to be able to afford a gift. That's where Dave can help. Dave is the banking app that can help you get up to $500 in cash instantly with extra cash. That's more money to fill your tank, buy a wedding gift, or catch up on bills. You can finally tackle those expenses that have been stressing you out without any hangups. There's no interest and no credit check needed. Millions of people have already downloaded the Dave app to get the financial relief they need with extra cash. So if you're in a pinch and need some extra help, download Dave and think of it as a helping hand for the future you. Download the Dave app on the App Store right now. That's D-A-V-E. Sign up for an extra cash account and get up to $500 instantly. Terms and conditions, for terms and conditions, go to dave.com slash legal. Instant transfer fees apply. Banking provided by Evolve. Member FDIC. Thank you. Okay. So as we move to the second round and we look at what the Dolphins did. They had 48. They traded back from 48 to 62. Traded 62 and change for Josh Rosen. The picks that were used uh, at 48, Eric McCoy, center from Texas A&M to the New Orleans Saints at 48. He is still their starting center. 62, wide receiver Andy Isabella uh, from UMass, who has been a complete and total flop. Here's what I will say. If you told me we stayed at 42 or at 48 and we picked Eric McCoy, I'd have been real happy with that because Eric McCoy was my 19th ranked player in that year's class. My summary here. And my comp was Ryan Kelly from the Indianapolis Colts. McCoy is a plug and play starter at the NFL level. He brings functional strength, lateral mobility, and tenacity to the offensive interiors. A feasible option to play either center or guard. McCoy has a stocky build, but plenty of power to go with it. McCoy's a fairly easy projection and would be a terrific fit in just about any offensive system in the league. 
He's not just high floor, but also high ceiling, thanks to his functional athleticism and football smarts. So that hurts with hindsight. I was happy with the process to go get a quarterback in Josh Rosen who was one year prior in a bad situation, a top 12 pick. But if you told me you stayed at 48 and you picked Derek McCoy, I'd have been happy too. Because that, now, I ended up being happy with how the Dolphins chose to attack with, with adding Michael Dieter because I was pretty eye on Michael Dieter, and we'll talk about him in just a second. Um, but it's not like you had Elton Jenkins sitting in your lap, right? Elton Jenkins went at 44 to the Broncos. So you can't look at it and say, oh, well, opportunity or missed opportunity there. Uh, McCoy's been a good player in the NFL, and I'd have been happy with him as the pick. There is a player I probably would have pounded the table for over Eric McCoy. Uh, but I'm going to mention him after we talk about Andy Isabel because this player was also available at 62, where the Dolphins actually traded out with Arizona, and the Cardinals proceeded to pick wide receiver Andy Isabella. Now, Isabella, small school wide receiver, Forgive me, I'm going to have to make sure I get my... Okay, so I had Isabella ranked 73rd in this class, which, uh, in benefit of hindsight, way too high. But he was my 13th ranked wide receiver. I did have a fifth-round valuation. No, that's not right. Third-round valuation on him. Damn, made this document in 2019, still got typos. <laughs> Uh, Andy Isabel is a player who has a much more prominent pathway to NFL success after the rule changes in recent seasons. A diminutive, non-physical player, Isabella wins with quickness and thrives in space. His best role would be as a slot depth option on a team that looks to space the field and isolate their athletes one-on-one. -on -one. Passing systems like the one in Kansas City come to mind as specific favorable fits. Okay, yeah, he went to a spread, spread system in Arizona and has not materialized. And functional strength's been a big problem. You know who functional strength is not a problem for? DK Metcalf. And that would be the that would have been the player if you got all the way down to uh 48. I would have pounded the table for Metcalf over Eric McCoy, and I certainly would have pounded the table for him over Isabel at 62. Metcalf was my ninth ranked player in the draft. Um but again, I, I was high on Josh Rosen, too. I think Josh Rosen, for me, the previous year was a top 15 player. So again, I don't want to sit here and just rip off all the, the grades on guys that I was favorable for and would have pounded the table for when I'm going to be completely honest. I liked the process to go get a quarterback. And when you are a team like what the Dolphins were, who is starting from scratch and has to build infrastructure, building the trenches is an important part of that approach you typically build the roster inside out and i'm sure there's some dolphins fans will hear that and chuckle and say well what happened to the dolphins offensive line the last couple of years they've been swinging the bat they i just think their criteria has been a little broken and the system has not been good the coaching has not been good on that front there's plenty of things about coaching for the dolphins the last three years that i think have been good um but the offensive system and infrastructure have not Metcalf, my comp was Des Bryant. Metcalf enters the 2019 NFL draft as a rare prospect. His blend of physicality and explosiveness have the ability to develop into a game-changing wide receiver. Metcalf projects favorably to just about any system. He's fluid enough to run harder angle routes 
but big enough to win in the red zone. His vertical explosiveness is a game-changing quality. An early starter just scratching the surface on how good he can really be. Well, yeah, Metcalf had 1,200 receiving yards uh, in college, period. And uh, to this point in Metcalf's NFL career, he has 3,170 yards and 29 touchdowns in three seasons. Needless to say, uh, DKF, DK Metcalf has been a better NFL receiver than he was a college receiver. I would have at 62 and probably at 48 pounded the table for DK Metcalf. Now, there were other options and pathways the Dolphins choose to go. I thought their process in general was good to try to take a swing and skip the line at quarterback was how I phrased it at the time. Um, so I can apply this through the lens of hindsight, but I also do have to be fair to the process that the Dolphins took and be honest about my opinions at the time. That's the thing. is it, It's so obvious now. But you're a team starting from scratch. You get a chance to swing the battle in the trenches a couple of times. You add Christian Wilkins. And you add a quarterback at a, a severely discounted rate who was a high-level high pick. And then you're able to go down here in the third round and get an interior offensive lineman in Michael Dieter, who I really like too. Now, Dieter has not materialized the way that I, I thought he was capable of doing. But at the same time, like Michael Dieter wasn't the problem with the Dolphins' offensive line last year. We missed him when he was hurt, and he's got scheme flexibility. So I think there, there's a lot of appealing factors with Michael Dieter that I still don't know that we truly know who Michael Dieter is as a player. My comp for him was Forrest Lamp, uh, who played with the Chargers for a bit. Injuries were a problem for him. Uh, injuries for Dieter were a problem last year that cost him some really valuable time, and quite frankly, probably cost him an opportunity to instill the confidence that he could be the, the long-term center. Now, whatever's happened this offseason probably has not helped that, uh, but you often see players who uh, are victims of the circumstances that they are in and the lack of stability that they are afforded, and it takes a toll, and that's the risk that you run. But for Michael Dieter, who was the pick at 78, my synopsis for him on a player scheme, diverse prospect who will bring diverse schools to whichever NFL franchise drafts him. He has good mobility and his play in space allows him to be a lead blocker on boundary plays and screens to get out in front. Dieter has the needed anchor and mass to hold his ground in one-on-one -on -one situations and has lateral mobility to be an effective interior pass protector despite length to consistently land strikes against defenders with positional flexibility. That's kind of who he is. He's just not a needle mover. But when you have the discussion of like, you see teams secure starters, quality starters on the interior in rounds three, four, and five, like every year, like I don't see any reason why that still can't be Michael Dieter. Now, I was super bummed that the Patriots plucked Chase Winovich one pick beforehand because I absolutely would have pounded the table for that. Now, he wasn't on the board for you. So I like, no harm, no foul. I'll keep going, but I'll say this. Dieter was being a top 30 player for me. Go ahead and I'll show the receipt for our friends here on YouTube. Top 30 player. There's not a lot of names here in the immediate aftermath that I would absolutely pound the table for. Now, what we know now in hindsight, you see Max Crosby and Chauncey Garner-Johnson at 105 and 106. I was very high on Chauncey Garner-Johnson as well. 
and you point to those and you say, hmm, yeah, those would probably have been good picks. It is what it is. Uh, and and I liked Max Crosby too, but I liked Max Crosby as like a fringe top 100 player, which is exactly where he got drafted. There, I'm sure there were guys out there that were much higher in the draft space on him uh, than I was. But I I look at the the Dieter pick, especially when you pass on Eric McCoy. And again, I think that that's reasonable process to say, hey, we can get McCoy at 48, or we can move down and try to swing on quarterback and get a player who compares comparably. And I still don't think that is an outlandish hope for Michael Dieter when it's all said and done. I just don't know that it's going to be in Miami if you're entering into what is now year four, a contract year, and you're getting the runaround on, on being given the chance to start, where I think Michael Dieter would be a better op option at left guard than Austin Jackson, and yet we're talking about potentially playing Austin Jackson there. If you if you are dead set on Connor Williams playing center, you could give me Teron Armstead, Michael Dieter, uh, Connor Williams, Robert Hunt, Liam Meikenberg all day. I think that's your best line. Now, you could get into the debate on who should be playing center out of those two guys. I'll, I'm willing to die on that hill. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I'm going to be wrong again. But I still saw enough of what I thought of Michael Dieter as a player to have him graded that highly. Um, and, and I think that the day one and day two process for the Dolphins to, to land Wilkins and Dieter as trench guys and a severely discounted quarterback, even though there were guys like Brian Burns and DK Metcalf that I would have pounded the table for. It was a good process. And, and, you know, Wilkins has become a very good player. Now, day three is kind of where it gets exciting for Miami because they they cooped a couple of guys that have far outproduced their draft profiles, if we're being honest. But before we get there, Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports information. Find all the latest sports development, league reviews, and news, including this year's Major League Baseball games, NFL futures, all the fights, golf, boxing, you name it. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet Online, where the game starts. Miami's next pick comes at 151, and it's Andrew Van Ginkle. This comes a couple of picks after Hunter Renfro, so Renfro was off the block at this point in time. I'm going to be completely honest. This is the first player that the Dolphins actually drafted uh, that I was not super high on as a player. Uh, I was actually a little bit skeptical of Van Ginkle because he was a small sample size player coming from Wisconsin. I probably saw him short on his athletic profile a little but um he was a juco player so he he came to wisconsin late and only played two years of ball at wisconsin and was some reasonable flashes but in hindsight and, and yeah i'm applying hindsight here a guy who has a 38 inch vert and a 10 three broad and a, a sub six nine second three cone drill uh, are all things that should have been clues that he was much better than a fringe draftable player, which was the grade that I gave Andrew Van Ginkle. Here's what I, I had to say about him in the summary. Van Ginkle is a questionable edge prospect given his current lack of pass rush skills and a lack of ability to set the edge and anchor against the run. A former Juco prospect, he shows movement skills and ability in space to warrant consideration as a possible convert to the second level to play stack linebacker. Van Ginkle projects as a practice squad candidate. If teams wish to invest in his underneath zone coverage skills and look to develop him physically. Yeah. And, and maybe that's the best thing that happened for Andrew Van Ginkle in hindsight was um, the fact that his first year, he was injured a little bit and it didn't 
there was no pressure to play. Right. And, and he ended up coming back and he played a couple of snaps and then he got the chance to, he got just a taste of the NFL and then he kind of reworked his body and got a lot stronger. I still wouldn't say he's a stout point of attack player, but uh, he, his speed and a little bit more mass is what has allowed him to outperform what my expectations were. Now I look at players who got drafted shortly thereafterwards. And I wish I had somebody here that I would would have said that I was going to pound the table for. But once you get past pick 150, like you're really in that range of the draft where a lot of uninspiring players. Now, Mac Wilson, who got drafted by the Browns and the Patriots traded for this offseason. I know I had him graded higher than Van Ginkle. Blake Cashman, linebacker with the Jets. I know I had rated higher than Van Ginkle, Van Ginkle as a true stack off ball linebacker. Uh, Charles Amenehu is actually a player that I liked quite a bit. Uh, he was drafted at 161, so he went 10 picks after. Let me see where I had a Menahue real quick, just because I think he would be a good player for me to um, acknowledge here, because I thought he had some inside-outside scheme flexibility. I liked him quite a bit. Okay, so I had a Menahue, uh somewhere around a middle-of-day three evaluation. The comp was Trey Flowers, who obviously the Dolphins that offseason were very much in the running to sign. Uh, Amenahue projects favorably as a base 4-3 end and an even front. He has the needed length, power, and hand pop to be a stout run defender and have a modest pass rushing role in a starting role. However, his hand usage needs to show improvement in accuracy and violence if he's to maximize his tight angled reps against blockers on the edge uh, in tight alignments, aka like head up on. Offensive tackles. So a Menahue at 161 is probably the name that I would point to uh, and say I would have advocated for this instead. And, and a Menahue through the end of 2021 has 46 career uh, tackles and seven sacks. He is now currently with the San Francisco 49ers after being drafted by the Texans. He was traded for a sixth round pick in 2023 at the trade deadline this year. So you compare 50 tackles and seven sacks versus what you got from have got from Van Ginkle, 134 tackles, 10 and a half sacks. The Dolphins, you'll go ahead and put this one up as a win. Uh, he originally played at South Dakota, transferred to Wisconsin. Uh, kudos. And kudos to Andrew Van Ginkle uh, for kind of changing the narrative based on what I had seen on tape. The Dolphins' next pick uh, is Isaiah Prince. And this was at 202. And I'll start with names that I like that I probably would have gone in a different direction instead. I liked Kelvin Harmon, the wide receiver from NC State. Separation's obviously been an issue for him in the NFL. Uh, I liked Rodney Anderson, the running back from Oklahoma. Now, he struggled with some health stuff. Um, I liked Chris Boyd, the corner out of Texas. He's actually stuck and is a, a intermittent starter for the Minnesota Vikings through this point in time. So there are a couple of names here that I would point to and just give an acknowledgement that I, I think had a reasonable chance to be players, and some of them have become players, to choose instead of Isaiah Prince, uh, who I had a fifth-round valuation on and comped to Willie Beavers. Uh, his best trait was his functional athleticism. His worst trait was his competitive toughness, which is 
and, and I had a red flag for underachievement on the field, which is um, apparently the Dolphins saw that too because they he never saw a snap for the Dolphins. He was off the team before the rookie season started, if you remember correctly. Isaiah Prince is a difficult projection because despite all of his athletic tools, he still struggles greatly in framing blocks and understanding how to implement his length and pass protection. An effective run blocker, Prince is likely to get pushed from coaches for playing time, but in order to stick, Prince will need to do what he hasn't done in three years at Ohio State, use his hands to create first contact on a balanced posture, considerably high field ceiling, but a considerably low floor. Uh, big boomer bust type player, right? And Prince, if I'm remembering correctly, uh, served as a starter for he's he's stuck with the Bengals, um, and excuse me, I want to correct myself. He did play in four games with two starts, but was waived during his rookie season on December fifth. On December sixth, he was claimed off waivers by the Bengals, uh, opted out of the twenty twenty season, and then actually played um, a reasonable amount of games. He started four games for the Bengals in twenty twenty one. So. Were we a little premature with cutting him? Maybe. Was a sixth-round pick with no financial implications easy to lay the, the blame at his feet for the shortcomings of the Dolphins' offensive line? Maybe. I would hope not. I didn't love the pick, but I thought it was an appropriate selection. Again, 2019, your, your whole thought process is build the trenches, right? So now you've drafted Prince and Michael Dieter to go with Wilkins on the other side of the ball. I think if you had a little bit more flexibility uh, for a team that wasn't starting from scratch, there were some players on the board here, some skill players. I mentioned Rodney Anderson. Uh, I mentioned the corner, Chris Boyd. The, even tight end at Lee's Mack or Tommy Sweeney. There were a couple tight ends that I liked at this point in the draft as well. Now, the Dolphins win skill players in the seventh round with two picks back-to-back in Chandler Cox and Miles Gaskin. I'm going to be honest, I did not evaluate a fullback. It's really hard to justify with the state of the league these days to invest three hours of your day when you got what got to watch 325 to 350 players to watch a fullback. Uh, but I did watch Miles Gaskin, and as I pull up the um, the synopsis on Miles Gaskin as a player, I think it's a good point, good time to now. Excuse me, I will correct myself again. I did watch Alec Ingold which is fun because we added Alec Ingold this offseason. Now, I watched him because Wisconsin used him a little bit more liberally um, to uh, touch the football. So I do have a, a report on current Dolphins fullback Alec Ingold. I also have the report on Miles Gaskin, who I ranked 150 overall and a fifth-round valuation. The Dolphins got him at 223 or 234. Miles Gaskin is a fun, versatile back that said his workload concerns and pedestrian explosive qualities will make a prominent role in the NFL difficult. Gaskin projects more favorably as a depth player who can contribute to a team predominantly as a pass catcher out of the backfield. He has soft hands and is effective in the screen game. With good skills in making the first arriving defender miss, Gaskin is capable of creating extra yards, even if he's not a home run threat or somebody who will push the pile. That kind of sounds like Miles Gaskin. As far as players who were on the board, that what I would have done, um, I mean, you're within the last 20 picks before the end of the draft. I could tell you I had uh, a higher grade on Dontavious Russell, the defensive tackle, who went the very next pick to the Jacksonville Jaguars. 
uh, for guys who were undrafted uh, that might have popped to me. Malik Reed, pass rusher who went to the Denver Broncos. Really good player. I probably would have gone pass rush over Miles Gaskin, uh, but understanding the Dolphins didn't have uh, any any help there. TJ Edwards, linebacker from Wisconsin. I had graded slightly higher as well. He's been a starter with the Eagles for the last couple of seasons. Yeah, you you I mean you've got some guys I would probably go in a different direction over top of. But it's not pound the table type stuff. I think that the pound the table obvious stuff was I would have pounded the table for Brian Burns Christian Wilkins at the time. Of the table for DK Metcalf, if you told me you were going to stick and not pick a quarterback. But in all, you know, you you look at this draft in its entirety, and you can appreciate the fact that the Dolphins, with a seventh round pick, got a player who's been your yards from scrimmage leader at least once over the course of his career with the team as a seventh round pick. Uh, that is the ultimate financial bargain in the NFL. Uh, you got a player who's been a starter on your offensive line for two out of his three years in the NFL. Now, the long-term forecast there is not promising, but that was a pick outside the top 75. And like, I'm sorry, but for a pick outside the top 75, that's pretty standard. I mean, that's above average for hit rate outside that point in the draft. And Christian Wilkins has been a starter every year and is looking like an impact player. Now, you rue the... Josh Rosen maneuver with the benefit of hindsight. Again, I thought that the process of how Miami generally approached this class was pretty good. And, and I think the, the it's always hard to quantify player contributions, right? Objectively across all teams and all positions and so on and so forth. But one, one tool that I do like to use is uh, approximate value by pro football reference. And here's what I'll say about the Dolphins draft class, according to pro football reference and their metric to measure quality of play and quality of return and value added to the team with approximate value. We're going to keep the streak going because I'm not a math guy here and I want to acknowledge this, but Christian Wilkins has an approximate value through three seasons in the NFL of 21 out of all players in the draft. There are two, four, six, eight, 10, 12, 14, 15. There are 15 players that have an approximate value in the entire draft better than Christian Wilkins is 21. Among those players, DK Metcalf, Brian Burns is a 19, so he's below. So you have Kyler Murray, Devin White, Nick Bosa, Daniel Jones as a quarterback, and Ed Oliver. Those are top 10 picks. So of the 15 players in the entire class that have a better value added to their team according to this metric, one, two, three, four, five of them, half of the top 10 is included. Then you have A.J. Brown with the Tennessee Titans. He went 51. Okay, we've already mentioned and acknowledged D.K. Metcalf. Okay, Debo Samuel went 36. He was not an option for the Dolphins in the second round. Max Crosby's a name we mentioned. You rue the day with that with hindsight, but almost everybody associated with Max Crosby with being a fringe day two prospect at the time. Jeffrey Simmons, who was hurt, the Dolphins, you know, maybe you could have made the justification you draft Jeffrey Simmons if you really believed this him as an interior defensive lineman, uh, but, but he was coming off an ACL injury. 
Uh, Terry McLaurin, who went 76, he came off the board just in front of Michael Dieter by two picks. Uh, first round running back in Josh Jacobs, Elkton Jenkins, who we acknowledged, and, and Deontay Johnson, who went at 66. So you had Isabel at 62, Metcalf at 64, and Deontay Johnson at 66. Maybe that's maybe that's another hand wringing opportunity for for you if you want it to be. But again, the Dolphins probably weren't going to draft. Um, they probably were not going to draft skilled players just based on where they were as a team looking to rebuild. Uh, I would say this as well. According to this approximate value, Andrew Van Ginkle's approximate value added of 17. There are only one, two, three, four, four, five players. And one of them's tied. So I'll say four players. There were four players on day three of the NFL draft who have added more approximate value to their team that drafted them through three seasons than Andrew Van Ginkle. And they are Max Crosby, who we already mentioned. Uh, Cole Holcomb, a starting linebacker for the Washington Commanders, has been a starting linebacker for three years. Uh, he has a higher score. And Gardner Minshew, a quarterback. And quarterbacks, just because of the, the weighted positional value that they get in approximate value, they're always going to outscore everything else. The, the player who's tied as a day three pick was, was Hunter Renfro. So Andrew Van Ginkle is among the five most productive day three picks from the 2019 NFL draft. And that one's an L for me. Just like at the time, liking the Josh Rosen process was an L for me. I'll say this, I'll take the, the win, the relative win on Miles Gaskin, who according to approximate value on pro football reference is the most productive seventh round pick of the 2019 NFL draft. Now we're ready to move on. We're ready to not see Miles Gaskin be your backfield yardage leader. But what he's been, and he's got over 2,000 yards of, of offensive scrimmage in three years. That kind of production for a seventh round pick on a seventh round rookie contract, yeah, that'll move the that'll move the needle quite a bit. Michael Dieter, for his approximate value added to the team, is also a top half of the class value selection. So I like this draft. This is a this is a foundational draft for the Dolphins with the benefit of hindsight, looking at what it's become after three seasons. Missed opportunities to get elite players, sure, but it's also worth remembering the team's current situation at the time was going to value what direction that they were going to go and what positions made sense to invest in. And it's also worth acknowledging that players in different situations would not produce at a one-for-one -one level. Now, with that said, yeah, I top 10 grades on, on DK Metcalf and Brian Burns, and I think they, they would perform anywhere. So if I were to critique that draft class, that's two spots what I would look at and say, I probably would have gone a different direction, even if the way the Dolphins chose to go with one of the two and Christian Wilkins is a player I'm so glad that the Dolphins have, and I would currently not give. I would want him to be on the Dolphins because I've seen what he is and I've seen how he's helped forge the identity of the defense. So three years, benefit of hindsight, going through the whole class. This is a little bit of a longer show. We're going out with a bang here on a Friday, but we hope you enjoyed this look at the 2019 NFL draft and some of my assessments of the players that the Dolphins picked versus the, the players that the Dolphins could have picked that I would have liked to see them pick versus some players that you, you just knew weren't going to be on the board. And um, it, it it's there's always contacts 
context with the draft, and that's why I love it. So uh, hopefully you guys can deal with a little bit of content here in July in the dead of the offseason, uh, but rookies report to camp in like two weeks. So we'll be here before we know. Kyle Krabs, fins up. Thanks for checking out Locked on Dolphins. Make it a great day, and I will talk with you guys again on Monday.